Good morning. Glad to have you all with us this morning. I just want to go over a couple announcements. I'd encourage you to open up your bulletin. Uh, first of all, I'd like just to take a moment and congratulate Colin Finney and Nick Rusmeyer uh, for graduating from the Salem County Fire Academy uh, this past week, Tuesday, uh, August 29th, uh, and their work to become firemen. So I just want to take a moment and say congratulations to you guys. I do just want to turn your attention to some of the announcements. Um, to, after the service today, we'll be having Sunday school. Uh, we are not having youth group tonight. There will be no youth group uh, tonight. And then this week, we are starting up again the ladies' Bible study with Dale. Uh, it's going to be Tuesday morning, Tuesday evening, and Thursday morning as well. Uh, it's starting a six-week study called The Joy in Seeking God First. Uh, so uh, just a really exciting time for that. Uh, so that will be starting up this week. Also happening on Tuesday night, we'll be having college and career again uh, this Tuesday night. Uh, this Thursday, we are going to be beginning uh, the guitar class that we've been talking about for a few weeks now. So I, I have a handful of you guys who are interested in playing the guitar. We're really excited about that. Uh, looking forward to seeing you. It'll be this Thursday at 6 o'clock uh, is when we'll be starting it up. Also, this Saturday at 8 a.m., we're going to be having the men's breakfast at Diamond Grill. So that'll be Saturday morning uh, at 8 a.m. The Heart to Heart group is going to be having a picnic on Friday, September 15th, beginning at noon at uh, Diane Peterson's house. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet back there on the foyer or in the foyer about that, or you can reach out to Diane about that. Uh, we, all, we do also have an announcement here about the small group ministry. Uh, we've been having a great small group ministry uh, for about the past six months. We started up about six to eight months ago. Uh, but if you're interested in getting involved in it, we would love to be adding people to that ministry. So if anyone is interested in getting involved in the small group ministry, please reach out to me uh, or to Dave Fedora or Mike or Bev McGowan. Uh, we'd love to plug you in and get you involved in a small group um, talk to those who have been in the small groups. Uh, most people, it seems like they really are enjoying it and growing closer to God through it. Uh, so uh, we'd really love to have you get involved if you're interested. We do also have, if you look down in the looking ahead, we have a couple things happening next Sunday. So we just want to put that out on the radar uh, for you guys. We're having the hymn sing and the youth group are having a blacklight party uh, next Sunday. So again, I uh, just encourage you to look over everything in the bulletin about that. I do just want to open up the service with the word of prayer. So let's pray. Lord, we do just praise you this morning uh, for the chance that we have to worship you, Lord. As uh, the summer's coming to a close and we're uh, looking forward to the fall season, Lord, we're reminded that you are in control of all creation. You're the one who's in control of the seasons. You're the one who's in control of everything that this world goes through. And you're the one who's in control of each one of our lives. And Lord, I do just pray that this morning that we would take time and recognize you for who you are, the creator, uh, the father, the king, but also the one who loves us. And as we're going to celebrate communion this morning, the one who sent his son to die for us. And Lord, we gather before you in worship in response to all of that. For all that you've done for us, Lord, we want to worship you this morning. We pray that our hearts would be full of gratitude, full of thanksgiving this morning. We do just pray that you would receive the honor and glory. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So let's worship God and as, have it be a response to who he is and what he has done. Please stand.
Lord, we thank you that we can put our faith in you through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that when we have faith in God, that uh, you hear us, you answer us when we call. We thank you that uh, our faith is rewarded and our faith is blessed and that, uh, Lord, you uh, give us that faith through your Son. And, uh, Lord, uh, there's so many reasons to put our faith in you. Uh, Lord, you are on the throne. You are uh, supreme. You created this world. Uh, you, you reign on high. You're a God of power. You're a God who knows it all. You've God who sees the end from the beginning. And so, Lord, uh, it is right to put our faith in you and to give you praise this morning. And, uh, Father, we thank you uh, for... Uh, just those evidences of faith and those evidences of you working all around us. And Lord, we uh, pray this morning for, for Nick and for Colin. We thank you, Lord, uh, for uh, their finishing firefighter school. We pray, Lord, that they would do well in this calling that you've given them. We pray, Lord, for your hand of protection over them. We pray, Lord, that they can be your servants to the community. And Lord, we pray for, for Nick and Colin. We pray for all the EMTs, all the uh, firefighters, first responders, police in our area. We know they have a, a difficult job. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, bless them, that you would go with them, that you would help them as they respond to different emergencies. Uh, we just pray, Lord, for the work that they're doing. Uh, we know they're serving the community, making it better. And Lord, we just uh, pray for EMTs, first responders, and, and Nick and Colin as they're joining them. Lord, we pray this morning for Gail Brown. We thank you that she's making progress. We pray, Lord, that she'll be able to put more weight on her foot. Uh, we also pray for this stomach surgery that she's scheduled to have. We pray that uh, she can get that done so that, uh, Lord, her health would improve. And we just pray, Lord, you'll uh, continue to encourage her during this time of, of rest and recovery. Lord, we pray for Naomi's daughter, Tina, who uh, fell and has a fracture. Uh, we pray, Lord, for healing in her arm. We thank you that uh, her arm's in a sling and not a cast. And, uh, Lord, we pray for bruises to heal, for uh, knots to heal, or broken bones to heal, and uh, help Tina during this, her time of rest and recovery. Uh, Lord, we pray your blessing on uh, Joanne Jones. We uh, pray that you would uh, bless her health and give her a good week this week. Lord, we also thank you for a, a good report for, for Sher Miller at the doctors. We thank you that some of his numbers are better. We'll, we pray, Lord, that his numbers will stay where they're, where they're supposed to be and that, uh, Lord, you'll give him victory over the myeloma. Uh, Lord, we pray for uh, all the victims of the wildfires once again in Hawaii. We pray for the rebuilding and restoration that's going on out there. We pray for... Uh, for churches and chaplains and Samaritan's Purse and all those uh, Christian relief organizations. We pray, Lord, that they would have open doors for the gospel and that, Lord, as they uh, meet needs out there, they'll be able to uh, present Jesus. Uh, Lord, we pray this morning for our uh, Missionary of the Month Chosen People Ministries. Uh, we pray, Lord, that they would have a fruitful fall. Lord, we pray for this request we got in from Hananiel Ministries for Ed Eisen, who's having a heart operation on Tuesday. 
Uh, Lord, you know uh, who this is. You know all about that. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would be with the surgeon who's performing the heart operation and that, Lord, you would bring Ed through this. We also pray for, uh, for Caitlin Hill. We thank you, Lord, that we were able to hear a report from her a few weeks ago. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that she's now landed, uh, landed in Chad. We pray for her safety there. We pray for her fruitful ministry there. Help her with uh, uh, language, uh, learning the language and language differences, cultural differences. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, help her to make good Christian friends in the Lord in Chad. And uh, Lord, you would bless her ministry there. Lord, we pray for back to school this week. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, teachers, students, parents uh, would all get, uh, get off to a good start. Uh, we pray for Quinton School right here in town. We pray, Lord, for their safety. We pray for all the uh, uh, students attending there. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that our youth group has been able to uh, uh, connect with many of them. And uh, so, Lord, just help them with uh, getting their new schedules, getting their new uh, lockers and new rooms, new teachers, all the uh, all those things that happen the first week of school. Uh, be with the teachers. Help them to know that they're uh, representing you in that uh, place of authority you've given to them. And uh, Lord, we just, just pray you'll keep our schools safe and that things would go well there. Uh, we also pray for Quorum Deo, the new Christian school starting uh, in Pennsville. Uh, we just pray you'll be with Shelley, be with all the teachers and students. We pray that that uh, Christian work would go well and that, uh, Lord, you'll provide for it, uh, help them to get off to a good start. And Lord, we know that uh, a number of families are involved in homeschool in our church and in our area. We do pray for all the uh, homeschool families that those kids would also be able to, uh, to learn, to do the, the work, to be able to grow this year. We, we do pray that this will be a year of growth for all the students, a year of maturity and maturing in Christ. And Lord, we pray for uh, all our fall ministries that are starting up here in September. We pray for Go for Buddies and, and Olympians. We pray that many of the kids who came to Bible school and to the, the sports camps uh, would come back for Go for Buddies and Olympians. We, uh, we know we ended on a, a high note last year. We pray that those kids would come back and that that would be a, a successful program once again this year. Uh, Lord, we pray for the, the ladies' Bible study that's starting this week. We thank you, Lord, for the 37 ladies who've signed up for this course. We pray, Lord, that uh, uh, they would come out, they'd be able to fulfill that commitment, that they would learn a lot from it, be with Dale as she leads that Bible study, and uh, look, we look for many uh, God sightings in that ministry. We also pray for uh, the guitar classes, and uh, Lord, we're excited to see some more people get involved in, in our music ministry and uh, praising the Lord in this way. So Lord, we pray you'll be with Jay and uh, be with all the guitar students. Lord, help them to, uh, to make progress and to uh, uh, be able to uh, serve you in that way. Uh, Lord, we also know there's going to be uh, breakfast and uh, uh, widow's ministry having this uh, uh, luncheon at Diane's and, and many other uh, good things to look forward to in September, Lord. We, we do pray we would see evidences of you at work uh, in, in all our, our meetings and activities. Uh, Lord, we just give this morning to you today. Um, we give you this weekend. We thank you for Labor Day weekend. Uh, we thank you that many are going to enjoy tomorrow off. Well, Lord, we just pray you'll continue to pour out your blessing on your people. Uh, meet with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing this next song, children in first through third are dismissed for youth church. Please stand.
seated. I'd encourage you to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 1. I'll be reading Exodus 1, verses 6 through 14. Exodus 1, starting in verse 6. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh's store cities, uh, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. A backstory is a set of events that comes before the main plot. It's, it's really the story before the story. And a backstory is helpful in understanding where the story even comes from. Take a couple examples. On our prayer sheet, if it were to say someone got a clean bill of health from the doctor, you would say, oh, that's, that's nice. They got a clean bill of health. But if the backstory was they had cancer, they had treatments, they were sick, they lost their hair, they had to get injections. That really gives everything some perspective. Uh, the fact that they got a clean bill of health then becomes uh, even more important. The backstory is helpful for context. Another example, if I said uh, a child named Johnny made a friend, you'd say, so what, Johnny made a friend. Uh, but if I told you the backstory was that Johnny was autistic and for years he struggled making friends and his parents were really worried about him. All of a sudden, Johnny made a friend, again, takes on a, a greater significance. And to take a less serious example, if I turn on a Phillies game and I see the score is five to five, that doesn't really tell me much. I wanna know the backstory. Were the Phillies down five nothing? and then they scored five to come back and tie it up? I like that. However, if the Phillies were the ones that were up 5-0, and they blew it, and they let the other team come back and tie it at 5-5, well now, uh, I'm very unhappy, right? I'm very uh, distraught about that. The backstory makes a big difference. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today with Moses. We're gonna talk about Moses's backstory, there's a recognition that 
past events contribute to what's happening now. And we're starting a new series today on Moses uh, called Going Deeper with God. And uh, thank you to Pastor Jay for putting that uh, graphic together. We're going to be using that through the series. We want to look today at Moses' backstory. And what's interesting about Moses' backstory is it didn't even start at his birth. Moses' backstory begins with some events that happened long before he was even born, but they had a big effect on his life. And so let's get into it. We're going to be in the book of Exodus. Exodus, of course, follows the book of Genesis. Genesis refers to origins, and Exodus refers to the exit or the departure. Exodus is the story of uh, Israel leaving Egypt and heading to the promised land. Moses is the writer of Exodus. Exodus 24.4 says, Moses followed God's instructions and wrote all the words of the Lord. Uh, it's later confirmed by Jesus that uh, he refers to Exodus as the book of Moses. So this is something that God had Moses write down uh, at some point in his life. And really, Moses is someone who went deeper with God. Moses learned about the, the power of God, the majesty of God, the goodness of God, the holiness of God, the protection of God, the commandments of God, the presence of God, the deliverance of God, the provision of God, the wrath of God, the perfection of God, the glory of God. And so we're going to talk about some of those things as Moses experienced them uh, in our series. I mean, Moses went about as deep with God as anyone who ever lived. There's three parts to Moses' backstory here in Exodus chapter 1. The first part of the backstory is the death of Joseph. Let's uh, look at that again for a moment. Exodus 1, verse 6. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Joseph, you remember, did great things in Egypt. God raised Joseph up to be second in command over the whole kingdom, uh, only below Pharaoh himself. And Joseph led Egypt through a seven-year famine. People didn't go hungry because they followed Joseph's instructions. Joseph uh, reconciled with his brothers. He offered them forgiveness. They even brought old Jacob to Egypt so that they could live there and, and settle there. The last verse tells us that everything was pretty much chill. The people of Israel were happy in Egypt. They were living off the land and growing in number. They were very comfortable in Egypt, perhaps too comfortable. God's people were never meant to stay in Egypt forever. Uh, Egypt wasn't the promised land. God had made a covenant with Abraham to lead them to a land of milk and honey. And so Egypt was not their final home. So there's a, a little bit of warning here about prosperity. You know, life was so good for Israel in Egypt that they forgot that wasn't their home. Had things just kept going like they had, they never would have left Egypt. Why would they leave a place where everything was great and prospering and flourishing? 
You know, day after day, they're just living the good life. It's like summer vacation, right? You never want it to end. Uh, leave Egypt? Are you crazy? That would have been their attitude. And so, you know, something was going to happen to kind of shake things up a little bit and break them out of their comfort. And so that leads us to the second part of Moses' backstory, and that is a new pharaoh. Verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Uh, I like the old KJV, who knew not Joseph. Uh, a new pharaoh comes on the scene. Uh-oh. Right? This isn't going to be good. Uh, archaeologists have debated who this pharaoh was. Was it Ramses? Was it Amenhotep? You know, they try to look at Egypt's history and try to figure out which pharaoh would have been uh, in control during this time. Uh, the Bible doesn't say which one it was. It probably was Amenhotep. But what we do know is that this new pharaoh didn't know Joseph. That doesn't mean that they, he's never, never heard of Joseph, but rather this new pharaoh didn't know him personally. Uh, this new pharaoh didn't have a dream interpreted by Joseph. This new pharaoh didn't live through the famine. This was many years later. This new pharaoh did not have any personal appreciation for who Joseph was. And, uh, you know, that's a, a teachable lesson as well. Everything fades over time. Nothing lasts forever. Not even people, not even their fame. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Everything else in this world does not last. Uh, the stars that you grew up with aren't known by the people today. You know, there came a time when they knew not Paul McCartney. Uh, I guess they had these kids on Good Morning America, and they were asking them some questions about music, and the kids didn't know who Paul McCartney of the Beatles was. Uh, they, just, they just didn't know. Uh, there came a time when they did not know uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, the head of Nike was at a school, and they were talking about basketball star Michael Jordan. And the kids were like, oh, yeah, we know him. He's the shoe guy, Air Jordans. Right? They, they didn't know him as, you know, this great basketball uh, player. They just knew him as the shoe guy. Pick your favorite singer, your favorite actor, your favorite politician, whoever. In another 20 years, they will not be as popular or as known as the way they are now, fame is fleeting. There's always somebody new waiting to come on the scene. Uh, ever have a, a boss or a coach that you really liked? And then the worst thing happens, right? They leave. Uh, and the new boss, the new coach, doesn't know you that well. The new boss, the new coach, doesn't know that you're the star of the show. The new boss, the new coach, doesn't know how hard you've worked for all those years. And so it creates a tough situation for you. And it created a tough situation for Israel. There came a time when they knew not Joseph. Joseph was no longer in good favor. He was no longer able to protect the people. The new Pharaoh didn't care about Joseph, didn't care about Joseph's God. 
What Pharaoh did care about was making his own name great. What Pharaoh did care about was expanding his own empire. And so when he looked around, he saw Israel as a threat. This Pharaoh was like, whoa, 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 there's too many of Israel around. You see, in his view, the Hebrews were different. They were not Egyptians. They didn't really belong. They were not ethnically the same, culturally the same. They were religiously different to Egypt. And they were growing. That presented a, a problem and a threat to this Pharaoh. You see, to really understand this Pharaoh, you have to put yourself in the mind of an evil, sadistic leader, dictator. Uh, everyone is a threat, especially the Jews. And of course, this is the first of many times that the Jews will be mistreated by the nations. Pharaoh says, hey, we, we got to do something about this. Make it hard for these people. Set taskmasters over them. Uh, put heavy burdens on them. Beat them into submission. And so that's exactly what happens. Israel becomes enslaved in Egypt. Israel has to do the hard labor in Egypt, uh, working all day in the hot sun, making these bricks. This is like being in an iron furnace. Deuteronomy 4.20 tells us that. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people of his own possession. Israel becomes very bitter in Egypt. The end of verse 14 says, In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Slavery is horrible, and Israel was treated horribly. Steve Cole writes, You have to imagine the daily hardship of starting your workday at sunrise and working, until the uh, working under the blazing sun until your whole body aches by sundown. Your task is to make bricks, build cities, farm fields, and not for your own betterment. Rather, it was all for the benefit of your oppressors. If you didn't meet your quota, the cruel taskmasters had whips to prod you to work harder and faster. Every night you returned to your family exhausted and without hope. And so this became Israel's nightmare in Egypt. Interesting that this was all foretold to Abraham all the way back in Genesis 15. Genesis 15, 13. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. So uh, God knew that this was ha would happen. Again, this was all part of God's plan to draw them out and bring them into the promised land. Pharaoh doesn't stop at slavery. He decides that all male babies born to Israel must be killed. Yet it's in the, uh, the following verses. And uh, this is evil. This is in this is an abominable act of violence against the innocent. Pharaoh wants to kill children to keep his own power. How cruel, how cruel must have been the heart of Pharaoh. And so that leads us to the third and final part of Moses' backstory, the Hebrew midwives. Yes, a new hero emerges. The Hebrew midwives. A Hebrew midwife was a Jewish woman who helped 
in labor. They were the OBGYNs of their day. Uh, we're given two of their names. Let me read the, uh, that section for you. It says, verse 15, Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other Pua, When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. But let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And let the male children live. And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. And so God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So, uh, and Puark told to carry out this evil act. They were to sit on the birth stool. The birth stool was just like it sounds. It was some stones that the women would sit on in order to catch the baby. And the command is given. If you see a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. Very clear command, a very violent command. Abortion, infanticide have been around for many years. The midwives are supposed to be a part of it. But here's the catch. They wouldn't do it. They feared the Lord. They feared God more than man. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And that's what these midwives did. They hated evil. They weren't going to do it. They knew this was wrong, and so they were against it. Now, we know that people are to obey governing authorities, but not when it violates God's authority. And so the male children keep living. In so doing, the midwives put themselves at risk. Well, word gets back to Pharaoh, and of course, Pharaoh is mad. He even calls for the midwives to be brought in. And even though they feared God, they, I imagine they still had to be a little nervous going before Pharaoh. They go before Pharaoh and they tell him, hey, these babies are just coming out too quick, you know. <laughs> they just can't get there in time to kill the babies. Uh, what, a, what a line. I don't know if that's, you know, that was a half-truth or, or what kind of a line that was. But I do know this, God blessed them for it. God showed favor to these midwives. God protected them from Pharaoh. God blessed the midwives with increased fertility of their own. God took care of those midwives, and he used those midwives to save lives. The big, high and mighty Pharaoh, ruler of Egypt, gets duped by some Hebrew midwives. It's wonderful. That's how God likes to work. So after this, Pharaoh says, okay, go ahead, take the sons and throw them in the Nile River. And that's how Exodus chapter 1 ends. So really the, the question then is, well, what do we learn about God in this? And what does any of this have to do with Moses? After all, Moses' name isn't even mentioned in Exodus chapter 1. Uh, these events we talked about, Joseph dying, uh, a new pharaoh, some Hebrew midwives. Uh, what do they have to do with Moses? And of course the answer is everything. They have 
everything to do with Moses. All the dramatic events of Exodus chapter 1 provide the backstory of Moses' life. And I just have one main point for you to think about this morning, and it's this. God is in our backstory. God is in our backstory. God knew what he was going to do with Moses from the very beginning. God was already working, already moving, already setting things up for Moses long before Moses came on the scene, before Moses ever got the Ten Commandments, before Moses ever took his sandal off at the burning bush, before Moses was even formed in his mother's womb, God was already there. God was already at work. What we learn about God is that God is, and God has been, and God always will be. What we learn about God is that God knows everything. God sees the end from the beginning. We see that God is a God of purpose. We see that God is in control. We see that God sets the course of human events. You know, what's nice about the Old Testament characters is we get to see their story all play out. We get to see how everything lines up. You know, the book of Daniel opens with his backstory. Uh, Judah going into exile and uh, the Jewish people living in Babylon and into that world. Steps Daniel. Same thing for Esther, the book of Esther. It begins with her backstory, a king and a queen, and there's uh, a disagreement, and the king gets rid of the queen and uh, wants a new queen, and then there's a contest. And into that world steps Esther. It'd be interesting. Uh, It's a, a cool exercise sometime in Sunday school or something to look at the characters, look at their backstory, and then uh, figure out who goes with what. But the bottom line is the Lord is in it. The Lord is working out his plan in these backstories. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, plans to give you a hope and a future. God already had plans for Moses in mind long before he was born. Just, just take some of the things that we talked about this morning. The death of Joseph. Okay, that means there was a leadership void in Israel. That means the, the people was going to need, they were going to need someone to lead them. Someone would have to be God's man on the scene. Someone would have to lead Israel in the ways of the Lord. Someone would have to go to God on behalf of the people and plead for them and see what God wanted for them. Guess who that person was going to be? That was going to be Moses. Moses was going to fill that need. And then how about the trouble caused by this new pharaoh? Israel being trapped in slavery, things being really bad for them. It's almost like Israel was going to need someone to help them. It's almost like Israel was going to need someone to help bring them out of this. Israel was going to wait for a deliverer to come. Israel needed someone to stand up to Pharaoh. And guess what? God already had someone in mind. He already had the perfect person picked out. On the throne of heaven, God determined that Moses would deliver Israel. That's how sharp our God is, that he already has it covered. And then the midwives. God raised up those midwives for the purpose. God raised up those midwives for such a time as that. Humanly speaking, if the midwives hadn't done what they did, there wouldn't be a Moses, right? Uh, Moses would have been killed at 
birth. Wow, God. God was orchestrating things and arranging things. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. God did all this for Moses? Yes, yes, he did. That's how awesome our God is. God had a plan and purpose for Moses from the very beginning. It wasn't always an easy plan, as we're going to see, but it was God's plan and purpose for Moses' life. Exodus 9, 16. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You know, uh, sometimes backstories are messy. Uh, Moses's backstory was messy, but and and so sometimes those backstories don't make a lot of sense to us. Again, humanly speaking, but the Lord's in it. The Lord has a purpose, and you know this is what we need to see for our lives. You know, a lot of times life seems so chaotic, so out of control. Nothing makes sense. Why do these different things happen to us? But then we can look at Moses's story and see God has it. In control. Life is not random. Life is not meaningless. Everything really does serve a purpose. God is in the backstory. I know some people are really into their family trees and their genealogy and tracing their families, and that's really cool. That is really good, and you can take time to study that and, and see how you fit into your family line. Think about my life for just a, a moment. You know, my dad was up at Ryder College in Trenton, New Jersey, and he met my mom at a dance, and eventually they married. Uh, my dad got a job at the Salem County Courthouse working in the child support division, which led to them moving to Woodstown in the late 70s. And there it is. That's, that's a, a quick summary of the backstory of, of my life. And that set me up for growing up in Woodstown and going to school there and all the things that would come. God had a, a purpose in all that. You can look at the events in your life and uh, see how God was setting things up and know that God was in it. Uh, look at some of the major events of the last hundred years. Some of you had parents or grandparents that lived through the Great Depression and how that affected things. Some of you came up through uh, the 60s and that turbulent time, and how that affected things. More recently, the increase in technology, everything from microwaves to personal computers to smartphones, and how that's changed our lives. How about our church and our church's backstory? Uh, we're the recipients of Quentin Baptist Church being founded in 1890. We're the recipients of all the ministry that's taken place in the last 130 years here. Or take the last 50 years or so in evangelical church, the Billy Graham revivals, the Jesus movement, the rise in contemporary Christian music, and how those things have blessed the church, and how those things have helped the gospel to grow. Those are all part of our backstory. If God is in our backstory, that means he's also in our front story. In other words, God has plans for us based on our past. God has good plans, fruitful plans. We should be encouraged by that. We should feel valued and special by the plans that he has for us. If you were born in New Jersey, you were born in New Jersey for a reason. God has a purpose for you being here. Uh, if you weren't born in New Jersey, God has a purpose in bringing you to this state. Some of you, uh, your backstory is you grew up on the farm and learned hard work and Christian values on the farm, and there's generations of godly people in your family. 
And God had a purpose and plan in that. Uh, some of you were brought into a, a legacy of faith. And God wants you to continue that legacy. Then there's others who uh, God puts you in a non-Christian family. And you're the one who gets to start the legacy of faith. You're the one who gets to break the cycle of sin or addiction in your family. God may have other plans for your life. God's purposes might be that you might be that Sunday school teacher that the children so desperately need. God's purpose for you might be to be that ministry leader the church is praying for. God's purpose for you might be to uh, promote missions, get involved with missions. God might have brought you into this world to be a prayer warrior. Oh, how we need good prayer warriors. God's purpose might be for you to be a shepherd in your home, raise godly children, grandchildren. God's purpose for you might be to serve in the community as a teacher, on a school board, as a volunteer, as an EMT, to be a, a servant of others. God's purpose might be for you to be an encourager of people in your time. God's purpose for you might be to sing, to play, to act, to organize, to use your gift for the Lord. The point is God has a higher purpose for you. He's organized events for you. And that purpose, that higher purpose, isn't just to relax and take it easy. That higher purpose isn't just to live the most comfortable life you could possibly live. Your purpose is to help a situation that needs fixing to the glory of God, just like it did for Moses. There will be no greater joy than when you're fulfilling your God-given purpose. You know, a lot of us here would say, you know, uh, I know God has a purpose for me. I know God has a plan for me. I just don't know what it is. I, I, you know, I just don't know how it all fits. And Psalm 57.2 is a helpful verse. I cry out to God most high, to him who fulfills his purpose for me. Cry out to the Lord. Seek the Lord. See where God is moving. See how God has gifted you. Look at your backstory. How has God set up your life? Uh, what, what's he given you to work with? What needs are you seeing around you that you could be involved in, again, fixing for the Lord? Talk to people who, who love you, who support you, who've, who've been through it with you, and ask them, what are they seeing in your life? What, what purpose might you serve? There's a popular song out right now that came to mind as I was working on this message, and it's God is in this story. It's by Katie Nicole, who herself has struggled with uh, God's plan for her life. She struggled with scoliosis and excruciating pain for many years. She struggled physically, emotionally, before accepting that God has a purpose for her. And Katie Nicole says, God is in this story. God is in the details. Even in the broken, broken parts, he holds my heart. He never fails. When I'm at my weakest, weakest I will trust in Jesus, always in the highs and lows, the one who goes before me, God is in this story. So that's what we need to, to remember. You know, as we talk about uh, backstory and front story, we need to talk about Jesus. You know, Jesus' backstory is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus' backstory. Jesus' backstory is that he is the Lord of all creation. Jesus' backstory is that Adam and Eve sinned and left mankind in need of a Savior. Jesus' backstory is, well, the, the whole Old Testament and all the prophets who point to him. 
Jesus' backstory is a world of Roman power, similar to Egypt. Jesus' backstory is a broken world, a world of hurt and suffering, like the Hebrew children in Egypt. And in stepped Jesus. Jesus came with a purpose and plan. Jesus came to save the world. He gave his life on the cross, defeating sin and death for all time. So whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Have you trusted in Jesus? Is Jesus a part of your story? Well, God is in the backstory. And so, what's your backstory today? Have you ever spent any time really thinking about, you know, your background and, and where you came from and the influences on your life? Have you thought about how God set things up for you, for you to serve him, for you to honor him, for you to live to his glory? Do you see God at work in your backstory? And then by looking at your backstory, you can get some idea of what lies ahead. God has a plan and purpose for you. Determine what his plan is and then walk in it. In Jesus, fulfill the purpose God has for your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are in the backstory. We thank you, Lord, that you are the backstory, that you've always existed, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who's always been, the one who's always been there, and yet came to earth to change our story around. And Lord, I, I want to do the invitation a little different this morning. Lord, uh, if there's any here who's not sure what your plan or purpose for them is, they just gently lift their hand. I don't want to embarrass them. I just want to pray for them. Lord, I'm not sure what your plan or purpose is for me. If that's you today, if you just gently lift your hand, I just want to pray for you. Anyone? Lord, we pray for those who maybe aren't sure what your plan is for them. Lord, we pray that you would reveal your plan. We pray, Lord, that you would make your ways known. Lord, it can be confusing for us sometimes in our limited knowledge what your plan is for us. Lord, how all the pieces fit. Uh, but Lord, help us to understand your plan better today. Lord, help us to take the time to think about how you blessed us with, with parents and grandparents and places and situations and things to bring us to this point. And then Lord, help us to take that information and walk forward with you. Lord, I just uh, I pray for anyone here today who needs to take that first step, that Lord, they would make Jesus a part of their story and trust him as their savior. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before even time began, our lives were in his hands. God is in our backstory. Please stand as we sing.
Please be seated. Brother Dave, we pray over the bread. Father, thank you, Lord, for this bread. This bread that reminds us, Lord, of you and how you were broken for us. You became um, the penalty. You took on the penalty for our sin, that you died for us, that you rose again. But it's also, Lord, it reminds us, Lord, the bread, you are the bread of life. Thank you, Lord, for giving us that new life in you. Amen.
Jesus said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper was ended, he took the cup. Mike, if you would pray over the cup. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we are humbled this morning to think of the depth of love you have for us that drew salvation's plan, Father. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We know that there's no removing of sins without the shedding of blood. So we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy that caused Jesus to shed his innocent blood for us, the sinners. As we take this cup, help us to remember, Lord God. Help us to remember. In Christ's name, amen.
He said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, shed for you and for all for the remission of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Pray together in the words our Savior gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. One of my favorite verses is Romans 5, 8. But God chose his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I am so thankful for his love and for his mercy. Let's sing about that now. Please stand. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more.
Yeah, I just have to share that uh, my children overheard me uh, practicing today's message, and when I finished, they asked, so what's our backstory, Mom? What's our backstory, Dad? And I had the opportunity to tell them about Harold and Hazel Fair and about Dalbo Farm and uh, all those different things. And again, I encourage you to have those conversations in your family and your, uh, with your group of friends. Uh, talk about your, your backstories and how the Lord set things up for you. Again, if you're here today and you know you say, I, I just don't get it. Uh, I'm just not sure. I don't know what God's doing in my life. I don't know what the plan is. Uh, we have people here at the front. They would love to encourage you. They'd love to listen, to talk with you, help you to uh, discover what God's plan is for your life. Lord, we thank you that your mercy is more. And we thank you that, Lord, your mercy was already there before we were even born. Your mercy is there in Jesus Christ, and your mercy is there for us now. Your mercy is there when we stumble, when we fall. Lord, uh, help us uh, this week to know that you are in our story. Lord, continue to work things out for good in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.